It's a Saturday morning time once again for our wine chat with our friend Jack Farrell from Haskell's. Locally owned for, I'm going to ask you again, Jack, how many years? 84 years <laughs> we have been the wine people for the Twin Cities. Fantastic and a it's great, a great job. long run and we love it. And we love it. Yeah. And, 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 and speaking of things we love, yes. last week, as you know, I was in England. Well, that's where you were. Yes, and I went to the proms, which was on my bucket list to do, to hear our Minnesota orchestra play. And my goodness, it was worth waiting all these years to do because it was awesome. They are worldly known, are they not? The London Times called them one of the top three orchestras in the world. Wow. In the world. I mean, we hear uh, all our wonderful sports teams, etc., but our orchestra is one of the tops in the world, and they did an all-American program. I always wanted to go to the prom because it's an indoor amphitheater uh, concert hall that seats 5,000 people. Mm-hmm. And they call it the proms because in the very center, it, it almost looks like a basketball arena, 500 people pay to stand during the concert. And, uh, it, 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 you know, you don't get many venues that are designed for music that hold that many people indoors. And I'll tell you, it, it was worth the trip there because it, the orchestra performed magnificently, which I see they're now going on to South Africa. We elected not to do that, but uh, they're in South Africa, first U.S. orchestra uh, to tour South Africa. And I'm telling you, they get so, so many accolades, and they're well-deserved because... As Osmo Vanska said the night of the concert, they played like an orchestra is supposed to, like it was one instrument. Wow. And it was just absolutely amazing. So anybody, their season opens here in September, uh, get your tickets because it's a, <laughs> it saves a trip to London I, or Vienna. <laughs> I guess. And you see a world-class orchestra perform right here in our own Twin Cities. Well, it's just great. Bravo to them. Amen. Say, so, yeah, I thought today we would talk about one of the most widely planted grapes in the world that most people will probably say, well, I never had that. Well, yes, you did. The grape type is Grenache, or as the Spanish call it, Garnacha. And it is an unusual grape type uh, in that it's primarily a blending grape. But when I said you've all had it before, if you had a rosé from Provence, chances are you've had a lot of Grenache. If you've had a Chateau Neuf de Pop, you've had Grenache, because some Chateau Neuf de Pops are as much as 85 or 90% Grenache. Uh, if you've had a rosé from Tavel, you've had Grenache, and that's 100% Grenache is in the Tavel rosé. And if you had a rosé from Provence, you've had Grenache, because that's what they use. The reason being is it has, as a grape type, uh, a high tolerance for drought condition. In other words, it responds very well to water stress, which water stress is simply drought conditions. And it has good wind tolerance. So that's why it works so well in the Rhone Valley and in the Mistrals of Provence. You know, uh, wind can be very dangerous to vines. But because the Grenache has such a woody stalk, it is totally resistant to that. As a matter of fact, speaking of woody stocks, if you've ever bought one of those corkscrews that the handle is a, uh, a vine, chances are that vine is Grenache because of all the grape stalk types, it is definitely the woodiest. 
And uh, if you've ever had wine in Sardinia, you've had Grenache because it's the principal grape type there. Uh, it's a very interesting grape type because, as I said, it, it's for, used for blending. It adds body sweetness, and because it has very thin skins, very light color. Uh, it has high sugar, low tannins, and uh, it's a good blending wine, and we'll talk about that in a minute. That's why it's gone all over the world as a blending wine. It's home, for sure, with Aragon, Spain, and the air, lands that Aragon own, which were part of the Rhone Valley, the area of the Languedoc part of France, Sardinia, etc., all belong to the kingdom of Aragon, and they... Uh, sent their grape type, which was Garnacha, all to all those places, and it caught on. And as I said, it has a wonderful appeal appeal, because it has a little raspberry and strawberry in the nose with a little spiciness to blend that off. Uh, So the Garnacha from Spain is used as blending in Rioja, etc., all over Spain. And it was, uh, not too long ago, they had over a half a million hectares that's about 700,000 acres of Grenache in Spain. Today, it's dropped down to about 200,000. But the reason for that is Cabernet and Merlot have become, and Tempranillo, have become big uh, grape types to plant in Spain. And as I said, the Grenache has a very noble history. The Burgundians in the 17th century were the first ones to take advantage of Grenache and Syrah. They used it to help Uh, give color and body to the wines of Burgundy, which were all Pinot Noir. Today that's illegal. You can't do that. But actually, until maybe 50 years ago, they for sure were blending Syrah and a little Grenache in with Pinot Noir. And then, like I say, the government brought a halt to that about 50, 60 years ago, probably right after World War II. And uh, while some of the wags in the Burgundy trade say they some vendors still do that. It really isn't very common at all. Uh, and because of the, its strength and growth, uh, the only thing it's susceptible to is dampness, mildew. Uh, and so as long as the grape types aren't planted in an area which gets a lot of rain, uh, the, the Grenache just flourishes. And uh, with winemaking, you know, as I said, it's a blending component in most wines. And uh, it has some shortcomings. It oxidizes easily. That's why very often in a Chateau Neuf de Pop, if you hold it against a white tablecloth or a white napkin, and the Chateau Neuf de Pop is five or six years old, you'll notice what the wine people call a bricking. And that is the edge of the wine in the glass will show kind of a light tan color, and that's the Grenache oxidizing, and it it adds color, dimension, and depth, in my opinion, to the wines of Chateau Neuf de Pop, but that bricking, sometimes a lot of purists don't really like that bricking, and as I said, France embraced the Grenache greatly, and like I said, said earlier about the rosés, if you had Provence rosé or Côte de Rhone rosé, and incidentally, Côte de Rhone rosé is probably one of the most overlooked uh, rosé wines uh, there is, and for value, you can get a pretty good rosé from the Côte de Rhone for ten, twelve dollars a bottle. That I'm telling you will rival 
some 20 and $25 bottles of rosé. And that is almost 100% Grenache in those uh, rosés from the Côte de Rhone. And as I mentioned earlier, my favorite rosé is Tavel, uh, because I always like to call Tavel the uh, rosé for a red wine drinker, because it has such body and depth and all that. And it's 100% Grenache. But as I say, Grenache hides its light under a bushel a bit, because it's always called by another name and not Grenache. And in France, uh, like I say, Chateauneuf de Pops, the rosés from Provence and the Côte de Rhone, and the one for most famous, the Tavel, are all Grenache, or at least heavily Grenache, probably 80%. In Australia, the Grenache was brought over to help make fortified wines. In fact, it was brought over in the 1830s. And Grenache is very, very good for fortified wines because it adds sweetness and body and a light color. And that's why it was brought to the United States, too, originally, for blending in that. And then they discovered that it isn't bad by itself. In Australia, you know, you can get uh, these wines called GSM. They're Grenache, Syrah, or Shiraz, as the Australians call it, and Maduvre. They're a blend, and that basically is the blend of Chateauneuf de Pop, too. So these GSM wines are worth looking into because they're blended of those three grape types that are kind of Rhone Valley uh, grape types. But they, as I said, the Grenache, Spain gets a bad rap because it's recognized Grenache from France, but the Garnacha from Spain is really the origin of Grenache. And you know, today, the most popular area in uh, Spain for that is Aragon, followed by Rioja. And then a little Grenache has slipped over to Italy. And as I said, if you've ever been to Sardinia and had a red wine in Sardinia, you've had a Grenache. And Australia is promoting it as a single varietal nowadays. And they do a very good job of it. And the same thing is true here in the United States. They're starting to plant some up in Washington State and Oregon. So I don't think we've heard the end of Grenache. It certainly is a grape type worth thinking about. And as I said, even when we started out here, and most people say, well, I never heard of Grenache. Well, you've had it, because if you've had a rosé from Provence or a Côte de Rhone rosé, or if you've had a Chateauneuf de Papa or a Côte de Rhone, you've had Grenache. And, and I trust, enjoyed it. <laughs> All right. Yeah, but it, it didn't initially, I always thought, like you said, it was a blending grape, right? It it. it is precisely that because it's so light. The skins, the bunches are very tight and the skins are very thin. So it's very hard to get intense color out of Grenache. And, you know, most winemakers making red wine want intense color. But Grenache does add, as I said, uh, a great deal of sweetness and tannin. And wines need that bit of sweetness and tannin to round them off. That's why uh, it was such a good grape to blend. Uh, with uh, the Syrah, because it softened the Syrah. Oh, Syrah yeah. by itself is such an inky, big wine. But as soon as you add Grenache to it, you soften it down, and it becomes much more palatable. What a difference, yeah. Well, I tell you what, there's a place, lots of places called Haskell's that you can find all the things Jack has talked about. Indeed. As a matter of fact, all the Haskell's stores today will be trying a little Tavel. So stop in and try my favorite rosé in the entire world, Tavel at Haskell's. There's a Haskell's near you where you can save big dollars on wine as their summer sale is still in full swing. Haskell's down in Bloomington. There's a Haskell's in Chanhassen. 
Downtown Excelsior has the Haskell's, as does Fairbolt, right off of 35. Our Maple Grove Supercellar is a store not to be missed. Minneapolis downtown has free parking on Saturdays and Sundays. There's Haskell's at Ridgedale at Minnetonka. Plymouth, St. Paul's Highland Village, Stillwater, White Bear Lake, and Woodbury, too. And if you can't come into a Haskell's, go to Haskell's.com or go to WCCO.com slash wine, and it'll take you right to the Haskell's website where you can peruse our summer catalog. Fantastic. Jack, let's talk again next week unless uh, unless you're off running somewhere. I'm going to look forward to that, <laughs> Denny. Right. Thanks, Jack. Jack Farrell from Haskell's back next week with another wine chat.